And we're, we're looking at these doctrines concerning uh, the founding of the Lord's churches. Um, we're going to be looking at our ordinances and what we hold concerning those ordinances. And today I want us to consider um, church membership, what the Scripture tells us of being a member of one of the Lord's churches. We, we live in a weird uh, our, our culture has kind of took a weird turn uh, in, in the uh, last several years. And we, we find a lot of uh, churches with their attendees, but there's not really a, uh, uh, a membership. It's run by a board uh, it's treated as if it's a, a company. There's a, uh, uh, there's a board that takes care of the building. There's a board that takes care of the, the stuff that goes on. There's ministry things that's being done by different individuals. But the, the members are, are just that. They're attendees, really. They're not, they're not committed to the, to the church as a member. They're not, they're not committed as a part of that body. And I, I don't know exactly what is pushing that, but it's happened. It seems to be a growing thing in our society today uh, concerning being uh, a part of one of the Lord's churches. We read here in First in, in Corinthians chapter twelve. Paul describes here the the body uh, of the individual churches. And, and how we are made up as a body. And he, he uses the example of a body to describe the body of the Lord's church here. Now notice what he says beginning in verse number 12. He says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into, the, into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now had God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And so God's put us in the body of this church, of Grace Baptist Church. All of you members are put in here as a particular part of the body. You're members in particular to do a work, to do a task, to do a, a function or to function in the body in your part that God has given you to do. And so he says he's put every one of us in the body as it hath pleased him. He set us, set us uh, as members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, if we were all a hand, if we were all an eye, if we were all a leg, if we were all whatever, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one Body And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, 
nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and more uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care, whether you be a hand, or whether you be a foot, or whether you be an eye, or whether you be the gallbladder. We're to give the same care one to another. Verse 26, he says, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be dishonored, all the members rejoice. Or all, Let me read that again. I think I, I read that wrong. Uh, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored. I think I said dishonored. My honored is what it says there. All the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church first apostles secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And Paul goes on to tell them faith, hope, and love, these three. And the greatest of these is love or charity is the word that he uses there. That agape love. And so those, he said those things are the best things. Those things are the things you need to be concerned with as he goes on into chapter 13. So he describes to us here in chapter 12 that we are... Are, are put together, set together by God in the body to fulfill a particular role in the body. To be what we are, that God has set us. And you may say, well, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be. Well, God does. And He's one sets you in place, you see. Maybe you're still figuring it out. He already knows, you see. And He's the one that sets you where you're at in the body, placed you there. And I'm not talking about where you're sitting at in the pew. But he's, he's, he sets you in the body. He fits you together in this body of Grace Baptist Church so we know or we operate together as that body that he's put together, that he's made us to be, he said. And so, and he uses that example again of the, the body, uh, our physical bodies. And there's no part of our physical body that we wish not to be there. Uh, we, we want all of our members, the members of our body, to be in place. And when they're not, or when they're not acting right, or when they're, not, they're, they're hurting in some way, or when they're not doing what they're supposed to, or when you've got a part that's broken, or, or whatever the case may be of your physical body, you want it fixed, you want it healed, you want it taken care of. And it does affect, when one part of you hurts, it does affect the whole body. And it's the same way it is for us. As a church body, when one of our members are hurting, when one of our members are affected by the things of this world, affected by sickness, affected by, by, by distress, affected in some way, it hurts the rest of us. We desire to see them healed. We desire to see them help. We desire to see them strengthened in that, in that situation that they are facing in because we are set together. God has set us together as His body. 
here at Grace Baptist Church. So we, we look here at the Scriptures and what it says concerning uh, us as a body, what we, what we do together as a body. And of course, we see the purpose of church life, the purpose of what we do as a church, is number one, we worship together. Number two, we, we fellowship and exhort one another, encourage one another in the things of God. That's, that's one of those things that we do as a church. Thirdly, we disciple one another. We train those that are, are learning and, and training together as we grow in the things of the Lord. So there's discipleship and training. And then fourthly, there is carrying out the Great Commission we looked at on Wednesday. That's our main mission. That's our main responsibility is to go forth with the gospel of Christ. That's what we are to be marked by, by us going forth with that gospel, declaring the gospel of Christ uh, to this world. And without membership, without that, that commitment to the body, we cannot carry out the ordinances of baptism, Lord's Supper. Those are the only two ordinances the Lord gives us. The membership is so important in how we carry that out because it's a part of the church. We cannot carry out discipline. We talked a little bit about that before uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, as we were discussing the, the difference between the universal idea of the church and the local idea of the church. It, it requires the coming together to carry out discipline, as the Scriptures declare. Nor can we meet the picture. If we're not committed to the body of this church together, we can't meet the picture of what Paul is talking about even here in our text verse here in chapter number 12. Again, notice verse 18 and 19 of this same passage. He says, But now have God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? He has put us in the body to fulfill our particular place. That's where He set us. To fulfill our particular place. And maybe, again, maybe you're still trying to figure out what your place is. Or what place you're filling. God, God knows, He sets you in and He knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what, what, what your role is within the body. Uh, but nevertheless, there are, again, many churches today that are moving away from this idea of membership, and they're opting for a, a more uh, uh, an idea of more a casual partnership of attendees. You know, that's that's kind of it's just you show up and you give us your tithe, and we'll see you next Sunday, and that's that's all they're kind of concerned about. You know, um, some have called this problem. Commitment phobia. Uh, but is this what God has called us to? Is this what He has given for us to do as Christians, as individuals? Are we, are we to have a, a phobia of commitment to the Lord's churches or are we to be involved? Are we to be a member of His church? We are commanded, the Scripture commands us to commit to the spiritual authorities that are put over us. Go over to Hebrews chapter 13. 
Hebrews 13 and verse number 17. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Paul writes here, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So here Paul says, he's he's telling us, that we are commanded to submit ourselves to the spiritual authority that is over us. To, to, to the teachers of the church, the pastor of the church, and in the fact that they are caring for your soul. That they, they, are, they are concerned for you. That they are, that the purpose of, of uh, our messages is for your benefit, for your good. And it's, it's our desire in, in teaching Sunday school or me standing here before you preaching the, the messages. It's my desire for you that you hear what God's Word declares, that you hear what, what God is directing us by in His Word, and that you draw closer to it, and that you learn from it, that you're benefited by what the Scripture says. And so Paul says here in this passage to submit yourselves to those that are given that place for they watch for your souls as they that must give account or give give declaration to God or this is what I did with it this is what I this is this is what I invested in it this is what I've done that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you but this idea of submission to anybody, this submission to anything, is difficult for a lot of people. They want to submit. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. Ain't gonna tell nobody gonna tell me how I ought to think about this. And so the, the idea of, of submitting, and it, and it ultimately comes down simply to submitting to what the scripture says, what does the word of God say? And, it, and, it's, and it's that that problem really lies within their own hearts if they're not able to submit to what God declares. To say, okay, yes, Lord, that's what, that's what you say. That's how I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's how I'm supposed to serve. That's how I'm supposed to follow after you. We look this morning there in Ephesians chapter 4. Go back with me and, and look there. Ephesians chapter 4. And we see there verse 25. Verse number 25. As we ended that this morning, this particular subject. He says here again, Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Members one of another. So he's speaking here in the church context as we were talking about this morning. We are, we are put together, members one of another, making up the body that God has given. And he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that need it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, 
that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, verse 26, we, we read there, Be ye angry and sin not, let not sun go down upon your wrath. That's often used in a family context. In fact, you, you hear a lot of preachers giving that as marital advice to, to uh, young married couples or young folks that are, are getting ready to enter into matrimony. And they're like, don't you go to bed angry at one another. You make sure that you, and, and we, you make it a practice. Don't go to bed angry. You try to straighten that out before you go to bed. That's good, good direction here. They don't always happen. Right? Well, if I'm not going to go to bed angry, I'll just stay on the couch. You know? <laughs> so so it, it don't always work out. But it's good advice. You see, it's good advice what the Scripture's given us here. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your head. But it's often used, we, we hear that and it, uh, we automatically think of a family context. We automatically think of uh, the relationship of husband and wife, particularly when we, we consider that thought. Verse 32 is used with all relationships. Be ye kind one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. But the reality is, in both of these situations, in both of these verses that, that Paul is directing us here in, he's, he is speaking of the church context. He's speaking of us as a body. That we're not to be angry one with another. That if, if we get angry, we're, we're not to sin, but rather we're to reconcile. We're, we're to make that right between us. We are to be tender-hearted and kind one to another, forgiving one another, as he says there in verse 32, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So that, that, that relationship there together within this body is encouraged, it's built up, it's strengthened by our love one for another. That we don't allow those little hurts, we don't allow those, those uh, uh, times where we're angry at one another, that we don't allow those things to separate us. That we don't, we, we don't allow those bad feelings to, to separate us. That we are tender-hearted toward one another. That we're forgiving one another, remembering what Christ Jesus has done to forgive us. Remembering what He's accomplished to bring to pass our salvation. And if, he's, if He worked that wondrous work for us, if He is able to forgive us, us who are constantly failing Him, us who that are, are constantly sinning Him, us who are constantly transgressing His name, if He can forgive us, then surely we can forgive one another. Realizing, I mean, you, you look at it from the perspective of Christ. He is the righteous one, the holy one, the perfection. 
that has forgiven all of us sinners' sins. Not only those yesterday, not only those today, but then those tomorrow as well. He's he's forgiven all of those. And if He's able to do that, He who is holy, He who is righteous, He who has never had any sin, if He's able to do that for us, then surely us sinners can forgive each other our sins. Because we, we can't claim. None of us can claim that we're better than the other. Amen. We're all the same. We're all the same. And so if Christ Jesus can forgive us, if He can, if he can do that for us, then we can do that for each other. Sure, we can do that for each other. And so this is what Paul is, is reminding us of here in this context. That this, this, is, this is a church context that he's speaking of, and he's telling us these things are to be put away from us, and we are to be, we are to be this, this way toward one another, kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, this forgiving that he's calling us to in verse number 32 is not necessarily forgiving. It's not necessarily forgiving. Because naturally, humanly, we're going to remember. We remember. You know what? God remembers too. He remembers too. This is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is choosing to never bring it up against us again. That's what forgiveness is. Choosing. I will never Bring this up against you again. I'll never charge you with this again. Not only publicly, not only to their face, but most importantly in our own hearts. That we'll not bring that charge. And that's, listen, ain't that what we do? And we may say we forgive. And maybe we truly mean it. That we forgive you. That we, we, we forgive them. They, they hurt us. And I, you know, I'm going to forgive. I'm, I, I, I understand. I shouldn't hold this against them. Lord, give me, give me that forgiveness for them. And we, we may truly forgive. But then, just a week or two down the road, they do something else different. And they do that other thing dumb, and immediately in our heart, oh boy, I knew it. I, oh, I knew it because they did it this time. And maybe they did it that other time. Maybe, maybe this is something they, they just keep on doing. And it immediately comes into our hearts. 
in that scenario, yes, that person shouldn't be doing that dumb stuff. Yes, they they should learn. Yes, they sh- that should not be what they continue to do. Yes, they are wrong for what they've done there. Whatever the case is, they are wrong. They should not continue. But when it comes up in our hearts and we grab onto it and we get, oh, yes, then the problem's with us as well. Problems with us as well. It's not just their offense. Now we've offended. And so this this forgiveness, it's a hard thing to do. To to never again. Now that and that's what we have to remind ourselves of. Is the, he's using the example here of how God has forgiven us. Do you know? Do you understand that all the sins that Christ Jesus paid for on the cross of Calvary on your behalf, there will never be a single one of them held against you by God. Not a single one. Christ Jesus paid for it all. He took the punishment of it for us even. There's not a single one of those that will be brought up against you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them or in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. None! Because in His forgiveness, He chooses to never bring it up again. To never bring it up again. To never charge us with it again. And so that's, that's hard for us, us human folk to do. That's hard for us to do. But it's what He's called us to. In forgiving... We relinquish any right for justice or revenge. To not forgive another believer, to not forgive another believer is to say, that the death of Jesus was to make was enough to make you right with God, but not for them. To not forgive that belief, another believer, to not forgive them, to hold on to that against them, we're saying, yes, Lord, you're right to. Forgive me, but you understand I can't forgive them.
That's a pretty bold thing to say, isn't it? But it's what we do. It's exactly what we do when we're hanging on to those hurts against another. And we'll get into this more as we're studying in this, this idea of forgiveness. But listen, if you've been hurt, if someone has hurt you, if someone has said the wrong thing to you, if they said something stupid to you, if you've been hurt, you have the responsibility as one that is hurt to go and tell the one that's hurt you, hey, this hurt me. This hurt me. You have the responsibility to go and tell them. And if they hear you, as the Lord says there in Matthew 18, if they hear you, then you've won your brother back and run your sister back. If they refuse to hear you, if they go on, they don't care about how they've hurt you. They don't care about how your feelings hurt. Then it's to be brought before the church. You take a witness, and if, that, if they don't hear that, you and the witness, and you're to bring it before the church. In fact, discipline is because there is not to be division in the body. Now, if you've been hurt, you have the responsibility to say, hey, I've been hurt. If you know you've hurt, you have the responsibility to go to that one you know you've hurt and say, hey, I know I've hurt you and I'm sorry. You have that responsibility. To make sure, because there's not to be a division in the body. We need the whole body. We need the whole body. We don't need a body where our stomach is mad at us. We don't need a body where our, our toe is sore. We, we need... We need we don't need a division among us. And so we have to forgive. That's for, we'll get into this more later. I go, <laughs> I'm jumping on this message <laughs> instead of this one. <laughs> this is not, forgiveness is not about us enduring one another. It's not about getting along to get along. That's not what it's about. But it's about building up one another. It's about strengthening one another. It's about encouraging one another. It's about loving one another. Because we truly love one another. That's what it's about, you see. Not about manipulating one another. But that we together... Together, as a body of the Lord Jesus Christ, might together bring glory to our God. That we might together bring glory to Him. We see the example given to us in the Scriptures. Very clear. That indeed membership was a part of the early churches. Uh, Paul, we just read there, said that he, we're commanded to obey the authority that have the rule over us. We read in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 15, uh, we see there, in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, 
and said, and then we have in parentheses there the number of the names together were about 120. So you have here in Acts chapter 1, just before the day of Pentecost, before the Lord empowered the church, there's 120 members gathered together there. There's 120 of them that are numbered together as this body at Jerusalem. And they had, they had a list of names, it says to us there. And then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches his 10-minute message there. Uh, there are uh, folks hear this message of the gospel, and there is, uh, uh, not only do they hear, but there, there's many of them that are saved there. And it is those that we've told in verse 41, and then they that gladly received his word. What does that mean? Those that believed. Those that believed. They received his word. They believed what Peter had said concerning the gospel of Christ. They believed what he said concerning Christ Jesus as Lord. They believed on Christ there. And those that were that believed or received his word, they were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So there was 3,000 new members added to this church at Jerusalem. This will happen again in chapter 4. And, and to such an extent that they've grown so fast, it's estimated there were over 10,000 members of this church at Jerusalem all of a sudden. And so in chapter 6, they're saying, there's too many people for us to handle all this. We need to get us some deacons to help make sure everybody's taken care of. But it, it is... They exploded as far as this church body was concerned. But each one of them were members set there in that church at Jerusalem. Now Matthew chapter 18. As I, mentioned, I mentioned this verse 2 just a minute ago. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15 and 7, uh, down through verse 17 there. And we... See here where discipline is a part of the body. When there is a part that is unruly, a part that refuses to hear, a part that refuses to submit uh, as uh, to submit to the body, uh, then there is discipline that needs to be done. And in that discipline, the purpose of the discipline is never to cut that part off. It's not the purpose of the discipline. Sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes that's what happens. But that's not its purpose. The purpose is always to restore that part. So that that part is working as it should in the body. So that the body is whole, that the body is one, that the body continues as it should together. Verse 15, he says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church... But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. What does that mean exactly? The Lord said, he said that 
treat them as a lost person. Not, not that you shun them, not that you have nothing to do with them, not that you never speak to them again, not that you go around with your nose up around them when you pass by, but rather you're not treating them any longer as a brother in Christ. But now you, because they refuse to hear, because they refuse to hear what was right, then obviously they've proven themselves as not saved. And so you're treating them as a lost person from that standpoint. They, 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 they must not be saved. At least that's how we're going to treat them in that sense. And he said, so he says to treat them as a heathen man. Let him, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. But again, the purpose is always that their eyes are opened, that they realize where they're at, that being a, a child of God, they, if, if indeed they are saved, then they'll recognize, wait a minute, I, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And they, as the prodigal son came to himself, and they come to themselves, they then return in repentance to the body. And Paul uses that example there in 1 Corinthians where uh, the man had uh, taken his father's uh, wife uh, as his own and uh, this, this problem uh, was known among the church. This was a sin that was going on in their presence and they were ignoring it. And Paul says you all need to Take care that you need to remove that one from the body, that you don't have fellowship with him as long as he will continue in that act. And so they disciplined him from the church at Corinth there. But then in 2 Corinthians, this man has come, by the time Paul's writing 2 Corinthians, this man had come back to the church. He had apologized to the church for his sin. He'd repented there, and he desired to be brought back in to the body again. And so they're checking with Paul. And what do you think we ought to do and again, Paul tells them there in Second Corinthians, well, I'm, Paul didn't command them. He just said, I know what I'd do if I was there. If I was there, I would restore him, put him back in the body so that Satan would not have a place among you, that you'd, you'd restore him again to his place there within the body. And so this, this is how, that's the purpose. That's always the purpose of discipline is to restore that one that is separated from the body, to restore them again. Now, we, we live in a consumer-driven society. And the thing that everyone is looking for is, well, what do I get out of it? And that is the same idea when it comes to churches. When it comes to attending a certain church, well, what am I going to get out of it? What are y'all going to give me? You know, that's kind of that's people's mindset there. And the difference is most often a universal mentality versus a local church mentality is kind of how that, how that is brought up, how that's sewn into. There's never a universal church mentioned in the scriptures we talked about. It's always an ecclesia, a local called out assembly given to us in the New Testament. And clearly church membership, the membership in the body is a biblical truth. And this is a doctrine that we can safely hold given all that the scriptures declare concerning that. 
We do not give up doctrine, no matter how it might offend. We, however, are not to be driven as a church, we are not to be driven by our preferences. But we are driven, we are to be driven by our doctrine. We all have preferences, every one of us. And quite frankly, my preferences may not be your preferences, and your preferences may not be my preferences, but we can have different preferences. That's okay, there's nothing wrong with that, but we hold to the truth of the word. As a body, we hold to what the scriptures declare. And we, we allow that room for our preferences. In fact, we should be willing and we should be ready to lay down all of our preferences for the sake of the body when that is necessary. That we might be all things to all. But we cannot lay down the doctrine. We cannot lay down the truth of God's Word. We have to stand on it. And that's that's discernment there. Okay, well then what is doctrine? What is the Scripture? And what are my preferences? And of course we, our doctrine is found in the Scripture. Our doctrine is found in the Word of God. Uh, our preferences, we might, we might drag some of them from the Scriptures. But we have to, re- we have to discern enough to know, well, yeah, I, I think that's probably best, but I realize... I'm, I'm putting my spin on it. I'm putting my preference on what I'm looking at in that passage. And so we have to be willing, uh, have to be discerning enough, I should say, that when we are, are looking at what we believe, when we are looking at how we view things, that we make sure that is it doctrine or is it just my preference uh, in those things. And Paul gives us a lot of examples of those preferences as he speaks to, especially over at the end of of the book of Romans, he speaks to some of those preferences that were in their day as well. And so we, we, we need to be willing for the sake of our bread, for the sake of our weaker brethren, particularly is how the scripture words it, to lay down those preferences that we might be all things to all. But we must stand, we must stand on the truth of God's Word. We cannot lay it down. We must stand on His truth. We must be certain then that our doctrine and what we hold as doctrine is indeed the truth of God's Word. To know that. And so we must stand firm. We must must stand firm on the gospel of grace. How do we... How do we reach out to others? How do we reach out to our community? How do we reach out to each other? Do we reach out without compromise? What is our doctrine? What are our preferences? Those are things that we have to discern in us as individuals. That we have to discern so that we might fit together as God has set us in his body here at Grace Baptist Church.
Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.